Good morning and welcome to the Friday edition of the Everyday Investor. Today I'm covering off some further thoughts around the podcast released last Monday around gold. And uh, it's nothing new to consider investing in this space, but for a lot of investors, it may be new for them. So I thought I'd share just a few more perspectives on it. For about three years now, I felt that change was changing. And you would have heard me jabbering about this, especially in the first year of doing this podcast, if you've gone that far back. In fact, someone said to me recently, if you listen to these episodes in reverse, in reverse order, it's quite bizarre around some of the timing of some of the topics discussed. And I mean, backwards in order, not in reverse. Like if it was in reverse and you heard weird messages like leverage is good and inflation is of the devil, then please let me know because that would be pretty cool, somewhat scary. But by doing these podcasts, I've become more confident in concentrated investment strategies and I've really sensed a stronger conviction around diversification, specifically to places outside of mainstream investments. New wealth in the new world needs new tools, except for today. We're talking old tool when we're talking gold. But yes, if you're new here, most of what I cover here is not, in fact, what you consider mainstream thought I'm going to suggest. I know it's shocking. However, I should point out something that may not be obvious. For the most part, most of the time at least, I'm a pretty boring mainstream person, just like you. So to frame this episode today, I'd like to make something abundantly clear. You're not an extremist by holding extreme views, especially if these views aren't correlated to some other extreme views. Let's say 80% of your portfolio is mainstream and only 20% of what you invest in you described as concentrated specific plays, maybe Specific companies you feel are undervalued, maybe biotech funds, clean tech funds, digital assets, or even precious metals like today. Well, 80% of the time, you should be thinking that the normal mainstream bits of your portfolio are 100% sufficient. Now, this is subtle, so you might miss it, but 20% of the time, you therefore need to be thinking these other components are 100% the only investments you want instead. In fact, each component you have should be viewed through the eyes of an extremist, fanatical investor. Let's take managed funds as an example. This is something I'm personally really excited about at times. I know it may sound a little bit odd, but I'm rather fanatical about how managed funds work. Cash, fixed interest, property, infrastructure, and shares. The beautiful dance all these assets engage in when choreographed just right can, over time, give you a return, which is far better than what you could do on your own. After acknowledging that the fees paid for these funds is money well spent, and there's actually people out there, specifically fund managers, entirely capable of doing the job better than you, the rest is easy. Why, in fact, would you want to invest in anything else? This is what you need to think and feel when you're zooming in and looking at any portion of your portfolio, I think. And the amount of time you should be thinking these extreme fanatical thoughts should be in proportion to the weighting that they have in your portfolio. So a small portion of my own portfolio is invested in precious metals, both in the form of exchange-traded funds and in the physical form. It's not everything, it's just a small bit relative to everything else. So when I think about it, I approach it with the same mindset that I just described. Nothing else matters, and this is the one asset that I want to be investing in. So today, keep this in mind as I share these views. They are extreme, they are somewhat fanatical, and to be honest, they're almost a prerequisite if you want exposure to this type of investment. 
Without being extreme, simply put, you're not going to get it, which inevitably results in you buying at the worst possible time and exiting at the wrong time also. Why is this relevant with precious metals? Well, for the most part, if you really want to play in this sandpit, you're likely going to be doing it on your own, and in some cases, it's something you may not want other people to know about. Hopefully today gives you some breadcrumbs, at least, that you can follow to learn more on your own around why one would invest in gold and silver. Let's begin. Welcome to the latest edition of the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast. In this podcast, I cover a wide range of topics ranging from property investment, investing in managed funds and KiwiSaver, precious metals and digital assets like Bitcoin. Why do I do it? Because I love learning and helping everyday Kiwis build new wealth for the new world that we're heading into. I'm Darcy Angaro, your host and qualified financial advisor. My goal is to get self-directed DIY investors thinking about all the tools available to build wealth. While I hope this will assist you in making more informed financial decisions, please do keep in mind that nothing you hear today is considered financial advice. Investments or strategies discussed may not be suitable for everyone, so be sure to do your own research before acting on anything discussed today. Further information on today's show can be found by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. Here you'll find some show notes which will contain all relevant links relating to today's topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so before we start, on Monday I released an episode with Chris Howard from MyGold, and at the end we talked about a competition that you could enter really easily, which will result in one lucky winner receiving a $289 limited edition silver coin courtesy of MyGold. In the notes, you'll find a link that you can click on to enter. Good luck to you. Now, in the survey that I recently put out that you can still complete by clicking on the show notes, many of you were asking me to cover this topic of investing in gold. Too easy. I love this topic, and I've always been captivated to a certain extent by precious metals. I'm not alone, I've found. And the term to be used here is gold bug, to describe those who believe in this space. Now, I'm going to offend some by framing it like this, but I view gold bugism as a type of psychological disorder, and I hope that doesn't offend anyone with genuine psychological disorders, but like any disorders, there's stages to it. And with gold bugism, I've identified, and of course I'm making this up, that there might be four stages of delusion found with a typical gold bug, and they are. The belief it's just another component in a portfolio which offers an additional dimension of diversification. The belief that you need this type of insurance even though you really can't see a bad event happening. Number three, the belief that you're looking at the macro investment opportunity that may come around once or twice in a generation. And number four, the firm conviction that the world could at some stage get so bad that precious metals will once again be used as money. Now for each of these distinct stages of the gold bug disorder, there's a corresponding form that precious metals should take in a portfolio, and I'll cover this off as we go. Number one, though, the belief it's just another component in a portfolio which offers an additional dimension of diversification. What am I talking about here? All right, well, think of gold here as something that provides a bit of other to your portfolio. In order to boost performance but minimize the chance of losing it all, it's a rational thing to employ diversification. Normally, a diversifier, like something that zigs when the other components zag, like shares for example, gold and silver, may act as a bit of a cushion during drops in markets. Maybe. 
I don't hold the view that it's perfect here as a an anti-zigger or an anti-zagger for your ziggers. You have to consider maybe other diversifiers can do a better job before you perhaps get to gold and silver. Consider the following hypothetical portfolio though. There's equity and investment properties, managed funds, bonds, some cash in there, and maybe some shares in a few companies. Let's assume that it's perfectly set up and apart from spending a bit of time on it here and there, it's just doing its thing. One way you could judge your performance here or benchmark it is by measuring the performance of your combined investments compared to something way more diversified like the S&P 500 index, for example. If you've done a good job doing your investments, you may beat that over time. And well done, by the way. And who knows, you may even find a way to do it using far less risk. This is what I really love about diversification using concentrated bits. It forms a rock band rather than a symphony. Each investment component has its own profile, just like a, an instrument and a voice, if you like. Ideally, the voice is beautiful on their own, but when you blend them all up together just right, you really can create a piece of music where the combined sum of the notes gives a higher level of enjoyment or performance than what they do on their own. And if the timing of the bass is off, the drummer picks up the slack, and in a similar way, bonds and cash strip away a lot of the volatility but still provide a return in the process. So as traditional diversifiers, cash and bonds, and perhaps dividend-paying companies too, effectively pay their own way when they're taking the diversification job away from you. There's at least a return that's not simply based on speculative gains and the value of the asset alone. Precious metals don't really have that. Gold and silver literally just sit there and look pretty. So I'm not sure that you'd want to substitute precious metals for cash or bonds as diversifiers, but maybe an extra seat could be pulled up for at the table if you want to include it regardless. That's what I think. Now here's a potentially good place to disclose a couple of things. I'd normally, and there really is no normal I suppose, recommend a small amount of exposure to precious metals. And even then, you'd need to consider diversification within this asset for reasons that I'll explain later on. In addition, I invest in all forms of precious metals talked about here today. Again, it's a small portion of my overall portfolio, and I have extremely high conviction on it. But don't hitch a ride on me here. Do your own due diligence if you want to get involved. So typical investments that you may want to consider holding in the gold and silver space on your online platform would be gold and silver mining companies or royalty companies through ETFs like SIL, SLVP, MUX, or GDX. The meat and potatoes of the whole thing though, if you're into gold or silver simply as a diversifier or as a bit of insurance or a hedge, are exchange-traded funds like GLD and SLV. Now what I like about these ETFs or exchange-traded funds is that they're easy to rebalance with when things get out of proportion. So that's the first stage delusion of a gold bug right there. It's just another ingredient in a portfolio, no big deal. Number two, the next delusion is the belief that you need insurance, even though you really can't see the event happening. Insurance for crazy high inflation and insurance for geopolitical risk, kind of like what we're seeing right now. Now this involves going a bit further along this psychological disorder to a point where one is willing to part with some wealth in order to preserve the value of most of their wealth. Gold bugs may find solace in precious metals much like anyone could take solace in other types of insurance. 
with medical cover, for example, everything's all fine and dandy until you're waiting for weeks for medical treatment with a kid's ear infection, or worse, you're waiting to get a suspicious lump looked at. Medical insurance, for most healthy people, is a complete waste of money. But when they need it, man, they really need it. So let me ask you this question right now, actually. We haven't seen inflation like what we're seeing now for almost 40 years, right? And we've not seen global tensions between superpowers like this for almost half a century or more. Do you think it may be possible there's a certain level of complacency that we're all suffering from? Do you feel like, nah, maybe it's okay, maybe we'll get back to normal soon? Well, there's a very high chance, actually, that you could be right. And personally, I'm probably on your side there, but... Maybe it might take a season or two to get out of this. Just remember that insurance is best acquired when times are fine, not when disaster is at your front door or in your front door. Simply put, precious metals are supposed to go up when other markets are going down to some external systemic event. That's my best explanation anyway. Insurance is never bought though, and that's the problem. It's almost always sold. I know, because it's part of what I do. But when I'm talking about gold and silver to investors, it's almost like I'm recommending insurance. It all comes down to this. All your mainstream investments are denominated in something that can be controlled and manipulated. And history has shown us that this never ends well. You're not really diversifying away risk, therefore, until you start diversifying the denominator, the dollar. Think about this. In current times, central banks through quantitative easing and retail banks through fractional reserve banking have produced a phenomenal amount of new currency. I read somewhere that almost 80% of currency in the U.S. was created in the last two years alone. That sounds a bit high to me. I knew it was high, but that's pretty high. And that's not insignificant if that's true. There's nothing tangible behind the value of our dollars or our fiat currency except trust in an institution trust in government, trust in a central bank, or the lizard people who run them both. The concern one could have here is that trust in all institutions may soon come under intense pressure, pressure that's building up due to a financial war that's being waged all around us. Inflation may get real bad real fast, and I know you see it already too, but I'm talking even worse than that. Food, power, fuel, insurance, mortgage rates, the worst part of this is that it might happen during extreme market conditions, during a recession, or during World War III. It's pretty dark, but think this through in terms of risk outside of investing. What happens in any peaceful democracy when a large enough group of people feel the government's lost control of our money? And I don't think it's going to be a fringe minority next time. Gold and silver, and Bitcoin for that matter, are objective stores of value. Whereas a fiat-based dollar is a subjective store of value, precious metals in their physical form can actually be useful in linking currency to something indisputably valuable and recognized worldwide. Worldwide currency, perhaps. What could go wrong with that, right? So let's just say, as an example, interest rates are forced downwards worldwide in an attempt to stave off global recession. And let's say that that triggers some form of hyperinflation. Yuck, right? Well, your overall portfolio will indeed appear to be performing well, at least for a season, but once you convert it into dollars and buy your next meat-free sandwich, you're still going to be going backwards. Precious metals are objectively worth something, irrespective of what the currency that denominates it says it's worth. Should a currency collapse then, or at the very least suffer a severe devaluation, 
the objective increase in the value of the small portion of your portfolio devoted to precious metals may be useful to offset the loss in purchasing power that you experience when you eventually convert it all back to cash. All right, precious metals as a diversifier or as insurance. Gold and silver have their place for the fanatical gold bug. But what next? Gold bug stage three delusion consists of the belief you're looking at the macro investment opportunity that may come around only once or twice in a generation. Let's say you believe for one reason or another that holding precious metals is a specific strategy or macro investment play that bears fruit once or twice in a generation. So imagine you suffer from a gold bug disorder beyond diversification or insurance requirements. Let's say your anxiety around the state of the market is nothing relative to the rush that you get by investing in a concentrated and strategic fashion once or twice in your life. Precious metals were created for a time just like this. Again, I would absolutely not recommend you adopt this strategy based on these thoughts shared today, but if you do, you've been warned. Now, a version of this narrative has always been one of the drivers behind why I personally hold precious metals. It's the story of the decline of the US dollar as the world's reserve currency. Thinking this through in light of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict right now, it gets really interesting. The West banned some Russian banks from using the SWIFT system as part of their sweeping sanction. Now, if you want to learn more about that, just check out the last News of the Money World episode that we did on that. But there you go, Russia. No more access to a system that ultimately forces you to play under our supervision and financial network. You need to sell oil? Well, good luck trying to sell it outside the petrodollar system. I'm guessing that's the idea. I'm just not sure that old Putin... Wouldn't have thought of this already, to be honest. And I'm also finding it hard to believe the U.S. couldn't see this happening either. But one thing's for certain, China's watching with interest right now, I suspect. The question is, which part of the petrodollar equation can be substituted? It's not the petro part. It's got to be the dollar, right? The U.S. dollar, the thing used when most oil is traded, is the thing that's potentially part of a major force involved in this parallel financial war I alluded to before. Now, I can't say I have enough knowledge to share confidently around how the mechanics of all this could work, but I'll say this. There's a significantly higher probability that a new currency linked to gold could come out of this whole debacle. So just like that, by pushing Russia deeper into the financial shadows, we've just witnessed the first domino to fall, which may ultimately result in a new economic union, then a new currency, then a global force greater than the incumbent has. Now, a great book that I highly recommend is by Jim Rickards called The New Case for Gold. He goes into this in great detail, so I'd suggest you get a hold of that if that's of interest. I'm certainly going to pick it up again shortly. So what do you think, though? Russia and China team up to create a new global reserve currency backed by gold? Could it happen? I don't know enough yet to even speculate around the timing and the possibility of a global reserve currency shakeup. But there are two things I do know. Number one, this has to be very, very good for the price of gold. And number two, the U.S. has to learn how to play chess better, or at the very least, help us understand what their endgame is here. Now, precious metals like gold can be a diversifier. It can be insurance. It can be part of a speculative play of your lifetime. What's the next stage of delusion for those betwixt by golden nuggets? Well, precious metals can be good at being money during a zombie apocalypse. Gold and silver, like our currency of today, acts as a unit of account, a store of value. But additionally, it can also act as a medium of exchange. Gold and silver are useful, therefore, as money. 
But the setting where this is useful is really, really extreme. I'm talking about the zombie apocalypse, after all. Now, there's a few things I'm passionate about, and zombies aren't one of them, but iced tea, the drink, not the rep star. Bitcoin, which isn't really shocking anymore, I suppose. And managed funds, right? I think I mentioned that. And really, investment properties, especially ones with loads of debt on it. And finally, I love me some precious metals. Now, why I mention this is that I found that the more passionate you can get yourself around the thing that you're looking at in your portfolio, the more enjoyable the whole thing is and the better you end up getting at making good decisions along the way. I know it sounds basic, but for me, that involves being an extreme maximalist with each component, like what I mentioned at the start. And I need to do that with every single component in my portfolio. I may not have a large amount of wealth yet myself, but I love and I care for all the little bits that I've put in there so far. Now, part of investing in gold and silver, and this is certainly true of any gold bug, is buying into the zombie apocalypse scenario, though. And yes, this is a fantasy. Let's just be very clear. All right, in this world where gold and silver are valuable and useful as money, all the other investors in precious metals gather over at Sean's house as soon as the zombie apocalypse occurs. The goal is to get to the pub without being bitten by zombies along the way. Anarchy in the streets? No problem, you've brought silver coins for your money and silver bullets for your safety. It's silly, I know, but substitute the zombie apocalypse scenario for another event, if you like. And think as dark and as scary as you possibly can, just to get a feel for just how bad things need to be where precious metals are actually used as money. Watch the news if it helps. Now, suggesting this could happen even in safe places in the world, like New Zealand, for example, would offend too many people. So remember, this is a hypothetical and unlikely scenario. I'm just being extreme, and that's the point. Now, zombies here are anyone, including groups of people or countries or even ideologies or religions. They used to be people, but now they're zombies, because we've been told that they're scary, and now we hate them. Soon they'll be the ones responsible for the war, inflation, falling house prices, recession, gas prices going up, and supply chain issues. If only an authoritarian leader would make it all okay, right? So zombies take all forms, but think of any scary situation where something's in charge that really should be, by all accounts, dead. This is a super dark and scary, nasty place to go, and it's a place I absolutely wish you'll never have to see because to be honest your silver coins aren't really going to help you there it's that bad we all want our investments to outperform right but really you need to consider the environment that exists where gold and silver in their physical form are really going to be useful again it's not nice that's the headspace that you get to visit too if you want to get really really excited about investing in gold all right, so now I'm going to cover this next part just a little bit differently. You won't hear many financial advisors supporting the idea of owning gold, and I get it. And professionally, I actually agree. It's a pretty dumb investment. Speculative assets in general are the mouth-breathing, slipper-shuffling, awkward components that the most hoity-toity among us successfully ignore. It's only worth as much as someone else is willing to pay for it. To be successful, it relies on a greater fool coming along to pay more for it than you did. This argument stands true for holding crypto directly to some extent too. And yes, there is absolutely sound logic behind this. And for most people, most of the time, this is likely an example of the type of advice that they're going to receive. There is another reason though you won't see it recommended strongly. 
There's no revenue model that supports the distribution and ongoing advice required for investors because there's no cash flow associated with the physical gold and silver. So all that to say, coming from a financial advisor, know that there's absolutely nothing in this for me to suggest this. Gold and silver in its physical form and subject to storage and security considerations has to be at least equal to Bitcoin for hedging against systemic financial failure. It's one of the key reasons why you'd want to own it. It's away from the battlefield. And here's the opportunity. Maybe it's possible to benefit from a breaking paper gold market. And I hope I'm not losing you here, but just listen to this brief section from the podcast from five days ago. Let me ask you this slightly edgy or slightly dangerous question here, Chris. Is it possible that it, it exists, that there might be more paper gold than exists physical gold for those types of funds? That's definitely a question that's been asked many times. Good answer. I don't have the answer, but yeah, it would it would it would seem that there's a lot of paperwork between different transactions to raise that sort of question. Today, suggesting that the gold and silver market is somehow rigged is akin to suggesting coronavirus leaked out of a lab two years ago. I've personally never been satisfied with any of the evidence around the claim that it's rigged. But I have seen fines mentioned in some mainstream articles, and I've heard some fairly credible people suggest that it's still happening, and possibly they're opening themselves up for being sued in the process. I don't know. But And also, remember, I own these ETFs, so you can tell it doesn't exactly bother me that much. But if there's even a possibility that it's true, here's the opportunity. By owning the physical, at least to diversify, you're taking a position that may ultimately pay off should there be more clarity in the foreseeable future. At some stage, especially if there's an event which somehow triggers the reaccounting of the gold held on reserves and the claim of the gold outstanding, surely that's got to do something for the price of gold, right? Again, I don't know for certain which direction the price of gold will go as a result, but odds are it could be higher. So there you go, exposure to the price movement, insurance, a speculative play, or as money when things get beyond scary. Gold and silver can be a great antipsychotic finance medication for gold bug disorder, and it may alleviate symptoms of anxiety within your portfolio too. Just remember to get some advice, ideally advice that disagrees with what I'm saying. Now, it may not be appropriate for everyone, but I do think it could be appropriate for some of you whom I don't know specifically, of course. So if you get the logic that I've outlined here today, like really get it, don't be afraid to position yourself against some mainstream financial advice. If you're investing for new wealth in the new world, we can't be afraid of using new tools and old tools applied in new ways. All right, that's it for me. Don't forget about that competition as mentioned. Just check out the link in the show notes. Remember, it's okay holding extremist views with investing, especially if there are a few uncorrelated ones. Have a great week, everyone, and fear not. Thanks for listening into the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast, a show that's about helping you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. To learn more about the show, please visit nzeverydayinvestor.com or visit your show notes on your podcast player. There, you can find out how to make contact, sign up to our free newsletter, and check out previous episodes. The mission of the NZ Everyday Investor is to help increase wealth for the everyday Kiwi. If you'd like to support this effort, then there's a few things you can do. Write a review, comment on social media, 
or support the show on Patreon and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Before we finish up, just another reminder that what was discussed today is for educational purposes only. Ideally, before acting on anything covered here, please contact your trusted financial advisor and do your own research. Catch you next time.